He grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere. A radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell, and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This is the Earl Farrell for Memphis Show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and uh, welcome in on this Wednesday afternoon, the 20th day of December, closing in on Christmas Day very quickly. Had a little Christmas yesterday, the Grizz and the University of Memphis won. Uh, we've got some sound on the University of Memphis game and Jaw being back. Uh, we'll be playing that for you later. Of course, uh, the big news ever since yesterday is uh, the state of Colorado uh, threatening to dump Trump off of the primary ballot and it is a uh, caused a huge uproar as well it should it's a, a load of bull and we'll be talking about that uh but right now I, two things i need to tell you about first if you're an owner of a um of a toyota or a lexus specifically the uh, avalon avalon hybrid camry camry hybrid corolla highlander highlander hybrid rav4 rav4 hybrid sienna hybrid all years 2020 to 2021 and 22 and then lexus vehicles if you've got an es250 es300 h es350 rx350 rx450 and those are for years 2021 through uh, 2022 uh you've got an airbag problem on the passenger side and they're doing a recall you'll be notified i just wanted to get this out to you as soon as possible because you want to make sure that your passengers are safe. Uh, but sensors installed in some Toyota and Lexus brand sedans and SUVs could improperly classify passenger weight, causing airbags not to, displo- to blo- deploy as designed in a potential crash. The company said in a statement today that the recall affects certain 2020, 2022 model year cars in gas and hybrid powertrain vehicles, including the Toyota Avalon Camry. We already listed those for you. Uh, said dealers would be, would inspect the sensors and if necessary, replace them free of charge. Uh, I would get on it as soon as possible because when they start coming in, it'll be a backup as you well know. The other important thing is anytime we get something to give away, I like to give it away early because that's good news. And I've got two tickets to the Memphis versus Iowa state. AutoZone Liberty Bowl is coming up on the 29th of December. That's uh, next Friday, not this Friday, but a week from Friday at the Liberty Bowl. Kickoff at 2.30 p.m. And the number you need to call is 901-260-5926. That's area code 901-260-5926. And we'll take the fifth caller. And uh, you'll have two tickets to the game and uh i'm gonna be there so i'll see you there it's gonna be a great game the weather's gonna be good it's gonna be a day a lot like today in the 50s so it'll be cool uh and uh but it's gonna be a, a great game and everybody's really looking forward to it iowa state i saw them play a couple of times on tv this year they're a heck of a team and of course the university of memphis is uh has got a great team this year too so uh give us a call and um uh, We'll get your information, and you can pick them up here at the station. And uh, good luck to you. And uh, go, Tigers, go. All right. Okay, we got that out of the way. The uh, uh, rest of the show, we're going to have Vicki Gandy with Go Team Gandy, Cry Light, coming in a little bit later. 
uh, with Andy O'Fee, who's the Yankee closer, and with Crump Mortgage talking about how the freeze on interest rates are affecting home sales and and some jobs numbers that are coming out. Uh, everybody's really pretty optimistic about the coming months, which is a good sign for our economy, which is what we want. Filled up with gas today, uh, three, uh, $2.39 a gallon at Costco, so that's good. And uh, it is uh, – uh, everywhere I go, people are, are buying stuff. I was uh, out looking for some Christmas decorations. You can't find a light in this town. Try to find some of those little blinking, old-fashioned lights that are in a necklace that that uh, Diane Kimbrough had on the other day when she was in. Can't find them. They're gone. And I had to get some replaces bulbs for my big, colorful, old-fashioned lights on my deck, and can't find any of those either. So that means people are definitely in the spirit, <clears throat> and they're out there buying stuff, and and uh, a lot of it for the Christmas holidays. And uh, so that's a good sign as well. Also, we'll be talking to Greg Bells, who's with Winter Art, about the big Winter Art uh, pop-up shop that's over the old Bed Bath Beyond. I took some pictures of some of the great stuff they have. I went over there today and got some pictures and a lot of really cool gifts uh, for people. These are all handmade by artisans, and you, you won't find anything like them anywhere else. And if you're looking for something unique, it's a one-stop shop. <laughs> Excuse me, and I think you'll uh, you'll find it very interesting, and uh, they're all great artists, one of a kind. And then uh, Jay Hill, who's with Classic Arms, uh, we're going to check with him, with him at four thirty. Another great gift idea, especially if you know somebody that has recently purchased a weapon for self protection and has never had a lesson in their life, uh, doesn't have, know anything about guns. They went out and bought it, which you can do. You just have to pass a background, but that's just the beginning. And I stress this all the time that uh, the first thing you need to do besides buying a gun is have a, a secure place to store your weapon, a safe, and you can buy a safe for one gun, one handgun. Uh, you can get them for your car, you can get them for your home. Uh, you want to make sure it's secure at all times and do not leave them in your automobile. That's where all these kids are getting the guns, breaking into cars and stealing them. Uh, but you need to know how to use your gun safely, you need to know the law. And uh, you need to know what you can and can't do for your own protection. I mean, you could end up being thinking you're protecting your home and your property and your family and do something stupid and go to prison yourself. So Jay Hill's going to call in. We're going to talk about gift certificates for gun safety and advanced training. And uh, just uh, you should look at a gun like you would power tools. I mean, you, you need to learn how to use them safely and effectively, and they'll work for you and not against you. So we'll be talking to him. Uh, but right now, I want to get into some of the stuff that came out yesterday about the, the the Colorado Supreme Court removing Trump ostensibly. I mean, it hadn't actually been done. They put some stipulations in there, uh, but removing him from uh, the 2024 uh, primary or um, early balancing uh, for the primary. So there's cut number one. It's no wonder Crooked Joe Biden and the far left lunatics are desperate to stop us by any means necessary there willing to violate the U.S. constitutions at levels never seen before in order to win this election. Joe Biden is a threat to democracy. It's a threat. They're weaponizing law enforcement for high-level election interference because we're beating them so badly in the polls. And uh, I think that's it. You look at all they've done all the way back for as far as January 6th. That whole thing, I truly believe, was a setup in order to facilitate this move, 
in enacting the 14th Amendment, which was supposed to keep the Confederate soldiers from ever holding office in this country again. Um, but the, the backlash has been immediate and profound. Here's uh, cut number two, Vivek pledges to withdraw from Colorado ballot and says other candidates should also do that. Cut number two. Cut two. They have just tried to bar President Trump from the Colorado ballot using an unconstitutional maneuver that is a bastardization of the 14th Amendment to our U.S. Constitution. This was a provision, Section 3, that was designed to bar Confederate members, people who switched to the Confederacy, from actually being able to serve. That's very different than what's at issue here, to say the least. This is a hollowed-out husk of what the country was built on. The basic principle that we the people select our leadership, not the unelected elite class in the back of palace halls. That's old world Europe, not the United States. That's why I'm making a pledge today that I will withdraw. I pledge to withdraw from the Colorado GOP primary ballot unless and until Trump's name is restored. And I demand that Ron DeSantis and Chris Christie and Nikki Haley do the same thing or else these Republicans are simply complicit in this unconstitutional attack on the way we conduct our constitutional republic. Uh, yeah, and the thing about it is uh, there's a lot of Republicans in Colorado saying they'll do a caucus instead of a primary if they continue on with this, but the, I think it's going to get before the Supreme Court and they'll rule on it. it. Everybody knows what this is, and thank God we've got the Supreme Court. That's uh, truly a fair ruling body. Because that's all we got. We don't have the Department of Justice. We don't have the FBI. We don't have the CIA. Uh, we do have the Supreme Court, and that freaks them out. That's why they're attacking all the justices, like Clarence Thomas and Sandy's taking trips. They've all taken trips. But they're, it literally is a war, and they're using any tactic they can, and they will. They'll continue this. This is not the last step. Uh, Landau, this is an extraordinary motion for Jack Smith, who's the prosecutor uh, prosecuting President Trump to ask the Supreme Court of the United States to decide on President Trump's immunity, cut number seven. The uh, special counsel filed two motions today. One was an extraordinary motion to have the Supreme Court decide this important immunity issue before the Court of Appeals. I mean, the district court, we have three levels in our system, district court, Court of Appeals, Supreme Court. The normal path is for the case to go to the Court of Appeals. Jack Smith wants the Supreme Court to basically take that case before the Court of Appeals has even decided it. Why? Decide, well, I think it's obvious. The mask is coming off, Laura, that this is about election interference. As you just said, this is all about the timetable that they want to get Trump convicted before the 2024 election. And that would be also to say that uh, because he's a convicted fellow, we're going to take him off the ballot. Another tactic there. Also, Landau, it's one of the worst depressing things that this banana republic is now doing. Uh, cut number eight. Biden's down in like five, well, six, seven swing states. It's it, Laura, it is one of the most it's depressing so sad. It's so sad. things as an American to see that we are really in a banana republic where this is, again, there's no way to explain this other than election interference. They want a D.C. jury, essentially, to decide the 2024 election by having this jurisdiction, where, by the way, in the last election, 
uh, Biden got 92 percent of the votes and Trump five. So they want to tell the rest of the country, oh, no, Trump was criminally convicted in D.C. Are you going to vote for a convicted felon? I mean, this is all a setup. Uh, And then this uh, is uh, Senator J.D. Vance destroys an AP reporter who asked about Trump's poisoning of the blood of our country. Cut number 10. Just to go back to his comments, though, sure. and sort of using language that we heard, you know, during World War II. I'm sure you're a student of history. You're well aware what that kind of language represents in, in historical context. What organization do you represent? I work at the Associated Press. The idea that I am well aware, you just framed your question implicitly assuming that Donald Trump is talking about Adolf Hitler. It's absurd. It is absurd. Why do you think that Donald Trump's language is targeted at the blood of the immigrants and not at the blood of the American citizens who are being poisoned by the fentanyl problem? You think he was referring I think to it's fentanyl? ridiculous. If you watch the speech in context and you look at what's going on, it is obvious that he was talking about the, the very clear fact that the blood of Americans is being poisoned by a drug epidemic. The, the, to, to, see, to take that comment and then to immediately assume that he's talking about immigrants as Adolf Hitler talked about Jews is preposterous. You guys need to wake up and actually do some Should journalism. Should he use different here, language here, then? Because no, no, that here, is here, language here's, 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 here's the problem with that question and that framing. You are allegedly a journalist. You're supposed to hold allegedly. speak truth to power. And yet, you're trying to circumscribe and narrow the limits of debate on immigration in this country. What you're doing is not speaking truth to power. You're trying to police the guy who's criticizing the problem so that Americans don't pay attention to the guy who caused the problem. It's an absurd question. It's an absurd framing. Good for him. Uh, When I was a spokesperson for the uh, sheriff's office, I have reporters ask leading questions, questions that just by the phrasing of them, uh, was totally inaccurate, and they want to include that into their little soundbite. And I would stop them every time and say, number one, your your question is totally ridiculous, and you don't know what you're talking about, or you do know what you're talking about, and you're trying to frame this in a totally different aspect and, and, and slant, which they do. And I never let them get away with it. And I think if more politicians and more people of authority would stand up to these reporters when they do that and go, that that is so wrong. What you just said is so wrong, and you need to be called out on it. You're not a reporter; you're an advocate, and there's a big difference. So let's switch real quickly to a couple of uh, good bites uh, that aren't about all this dark and dingy part of the world we have to live in. Uh, John Morant scores a buzzer beater in his return to the NBA. Here it is, cut number four. Memphis, no timeouts left. Into the backcourt it goes. Morant's going to get ahead of Steve with a chance to win it in his return. Here goes Morant. He spins. Morant scores! Memphis <laughs> Count the basket, and John Morant wins it for the Grizzlies. And what a comeback. Uh, storybook almost. Uh, here he comes back after this long suspension. Doesn't say anything to anybody, uh, keeps his mouth shut, comes back and let his hands and his feet do the, the work, and uh, they come out on top. Go Grizz. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. And welcome back on this Wednesday afternoon. Vicki Gandy's in here, and we're going to turn her audio down as soon as I find it. i got to track down her cable. 
to the sound mixer. I think it's right here. Does that do it? No. Yeah, there. it's a little loud. There we go. Okay. Is that better? That's better, yeah. Okay. And uh, her headset, a lot of people come in here, and a lot of people like really loud headsets. And those are the, those of who are now approaching my age who are now deaf because they turned up their headsets and their iPods and everything else they listened to over the years as loud as they can get it. And I always, I don't know, it was because I spent so much time in the vast spaces of West Texas, which was very quiet. I well, mean, fine nothing. guns, fine guns. But also, but also always wore ear protection yeah. and when I was practicing, when I was out shooting. And what's really weird when you shoot a deer, you never hear the shot. Never heard, I've never heard it once when I've actually shot a deer. But if I had target practice, boom! Oh, I know. Ears ring for days. Well, I raised five sons, and um, I can hear <laughs> I can hear it, the, not just the gnat. I can hear the wingspan on a gnat So because I learned I had to tune in. Well, you the, were listening to what those little guys were up to. Well, and, usually you notice, and you've raised two, when it's quiet, yeah, the quieter good, the day. Not a good sound. Yeah, and so when you start hearing quiet, and you go, or you hear them go, Shh, mom may be listening. You yeah, know, I'm like, that's okay. when your ears perk mm-hmm. up. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah Kathy was uh, great at uh, monitoring both of them on their their once they got on the computers and stuff. We always had the computer in the kitchen. That's the only place they could be on it. And then they didn't have cell phones until they were in high school. Yeah, and that wasn't a problem. But you know, that is the the part of parroting. Uh, you have to be part uh, Inspector Clouseau. <laughs> Uh, the commandant of the uh, <laughs> Stalag 19. And, Attila the Hun. Yeah, Attila yeah. the Hun. It's like Kathy was always saying, how come I always have to be the bad guy? I said, because you jump in there so fast. <laughs> I was going to say that, but before I could, you said, no, not doing that. No, it's true. It's true. It's just, yeah, it's it's funny the way you react. And you do differently with each child because with, with five, um, different ones got in different troubles. I mean, and some of them are just you know sometimes like bill cosby used to say brain damage you know it's like the things they'll just blurt stuff but not out. just five kids you had five boys yeah i mean that's yeah. like I, I i i god bless you god bless you <laughs> well i'm not one of those frou-frou moms now boys don't do that it was like get down sit down be quiet now you know it was like well you have to be tough oh yeah and that's because if you said now boys don't do that they just got, got yeah. bigger and better they will course, they yeah. will run right over you they will they, they, and, and, they, and the more of them you have the more they will run over you yeah, they were definitely my, my youngest was the easiest, but also we had kind of worn down a bit. <laughs> yeah, it was really really funny. My mother always when we were little, she used to spank us with her hand. Mm-hmm. But as we got older, it, it turned into bigger objects. Yeah, we had a paddle, my sorority paddle. We we learned with them when they were, use that. Yeah, when they're the size of football players, it's yeah. kind of hard. Your hand doesn't work, no. and and they'd look at that didn't even hurt. Well, guess what? I won't make it yeah, hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Here comes the sorority. <laughs> so I pulled out my Delta Gamma paddle, and boy, they see that, and they never have liked DG ever since. I saw a thing the other day. It had John Wayne's picture, and he said, the problem with today's youth is they've never heard leather slapping through mm-hmm. the loops on a pair of jeans that belong to daddy. <laughs> my son used to talk, David, my second son, he said, I'd hear that whoosh, yeah. uh, off the because we kept the paddle on top of the refrigerator, and if they heard that thing slide, then they would dash. And, <laughs> Go clean the room, you know, try to get whatever and hide. And the, the funniest scene I ever saw was my mother chasing my brother around the back here with a fly swatter because she couldn't find anything else. I was yelling, get him, get him, mama. Oh, <laughs> All right, yeah. uh, Vicky's here. We're going to talk real estate when we come back, so stay with us. <laughs> And 
Man, thank you very much, uh, and welcome back. Vicki Gandy uh, with Go Team Gandy uh, and Crylike is in the studio. On the phone with us is Andy O'Fee, the Yankee closer with Crump Mortgage. I love that. <laughs> you know, it finally dawned on me what that is, Andy. You did a take on the Yankee Clipper, right? No, it's, uh, you know, closed loans, so. Oh, I thought you. Stand, well, Mariano I... Rivera, Yankee closer. <laughs> Well, I knew that made sense. I just thought, I wonder if he's talking about because the Yankee Clipper was a form of sales ship back uh, when the United States uh, first formed, and that was a, a great sailing vessel. I thought, well, that'd be kind of cool. He named right. just after the Yankee Clipper, but no. Who was the, who was the Yankee Clipper, Earl? Uh, well, the Yankee Clipper was a guy that played for the Yankees. Uh, was it Joe DiMaggio? Very good. That's correct. Yeah. But then there was also that he was named after the fastest ship on the ocean, which is the Yankee Clipper sail, um, right. multi mast exactly right. sail ship. So I'm not a complete idiot. I was just wrong about you. <laughs> no, no. People have been wrong about me my whole life. So. <laughs> well, how you imagine what it's been like for me. So, uh, but there's some, some good things are happening. They froze the interest rates uh, a couple of weeks ago. They didn't raise them. And where it is, they're able to look at it possibly cutting them in, in the next few months. Uh, the jobs numbers are good. The, uh, the outlook, the polls are showing the outlook, the, the positivity scale, if you will, of Americans out there is is for the first time in many many months is is started to become positive, which I think is also good. Yeah, things are definitely starting to turn around. The big number today was the consumer confidence number that was released, and you're right, that was a uh, that came in extremely strong. Uh, the American consumer is very difficult to battle when it comes to preventing them from buying things. So uh, the Fed has done all they can with 11 rate hikes over the last several months to try to battle inflation. And again, we're starting to see some of the inflationary numbers come down, which is a good sign. And that's what's going to give them the impetus to go ahead and start reducing the Fed funds rate, hopefully by the middle of next year. So that that's that's a good target. That's where I think we're going to start to see them start to come in and uh, re- reducing the Fed funds rate. Well, and I saw on Fox uh, this morning that the housing market is up a, a percentage point, which it it's been flat for some time now, and uh, yeah, that's the existing homes. Existing home sales uh, came in uh, much higher than expected. They're still, again, they're still down uh, about seven or eight percent year over year, and that's expected because, again, there and Vicky can tell you there's there's not a lot of inventory to to go after in this market right now. And I, you know, one thing I'm a little bit of a protagonist when it comes to the housing market, but I'm also a realist when it comes to the amount of homes that are available for sale. And when now we have a reduction in rates like we've seen over the last three or four weeks coming from the highs of 8% and now getting back down to, you know, into the mid to low sixes with no inventory, we could be in for a free-for-all to start the year, which, again, is a good thing compared to where we have been in the last couple of months. Well, and uh, I know that uh, Vicky's had a couple homes she's closed on recently, and she's uh, done another house that they they went in and completely rehabbed it and uh, and sold that. Uh, but the, I, I do detect the mood of just being out, and you see the number of people out shopping, buying. Uh, I went looking for light bulbs uh, to add to some of my Christmas decorations, and they're gone. There aren't any, and I, you know yeah. that may not be a, a great economic indicator that Wall Street quotes, but I say. When the average person wants to buy decorations for Christmas, that means they want to, they want to, they're being positive and they want to reflect their attitude. Yep. That's very true. That's a good way of looking at it. 
uh, you you probably would be very a very good stock picker. <laughs> well, uh, I'm a good people picker. That's uh, <laughs> that's that's my real talent. The but the whole yeah. thing is, I do see an optimism, and and I talk to people all the time, and uh, I ask them how they're doing, and I look them in the eye. I'm expecting an answer, like the lady behind the deli counter. How you doing? Are you ready for Christmas? And and her comment to me today was, "I better be." <laughs> but, it, but 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 it was she did that and laughed. It wasn't. Oh God, no! I, I don't know how we're going to make it this year. And I have heard those kind of comments in the past, and I'm not hearing it now. And that is what I get encouraged by. Yeah, yeah. So again, it, it was the and again, if you if you take a look at the what the stock market has been now today. It, it took a little bit of a beating after uh, increasing as much as it has over the last several trading sessions. And again, it's a profit, profit taking going into the, the holidays. It'll be interesting to see how the market reacts next week with uh, fewer traders around moving stuff around uh, after, after Christmas. So again, people's net worth has gone up significantly over the last couple of weeks. So mm-hmm. that's also a positive for people going into the holidays. It's the Santa Claus rally as Wall Street likes to call it. Well, even the wolves of Wall Street uh, take off for Christmas. And, <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, they do. That's right. They do. And, uh, they do. in fact, I told somebody the other day they were trying to get a hold of somebody and couldn't get them. I said, look, the only people left that, that are still going to work every day are those of us that really work for a living. The rest of them all go. Yeah. On vacation. We're yeah. gone for yeah. the next two weeks, and and they do yeah. go. So Yeah, and, Andy, one thing, too, talk- that we're talking about uh, earlier, the – the market in Memphis area is better. You know, if you look at the national numbers, we're not there. We're so much better, and we're doing so much better than they are. We always have, and that's what people have to remember. They'll stop me in the streets and on the grocery store and say, oh, the market, the market. And I said, the market's still good. It's very strong, and we're we're not expecting it to, to be terrible by any means. No, I, I agree. that Again, we, we've talked about the, the demographics of this, uh, of Shelby County, and just how uh, attractive it is for a first-time home buyer, for someone doing a step-up buy, buying a bigger home. And the good news is now too is that the, the National Association of Home Builders, their index uh, is not is not declining either. So the builders are starting to see more demand. They know that if they put a product out there, given the pent-up demand that home buyers have right now, as we go into the new year. They know that if someone's looking for a new home, not particularly in Germantown, but yeah. you know in the area, they, you can buy a new home and get into it uh, at a reasonable price. And now with rates coming down, affordability, uh, that question definitely goes away for some people. So it's, it's definitely a well, – Vicky's spot on about our market. I mean, it's just, this is just a great market to be in. We don't want it too hot, no. and we don't want it too cold. We want it just right. It's really great, especially for people that are buying right now. It is, it's better. And people, as I keep telling people, don't wait. I mean, you've got a little chance of more negotiation, you know, and, and the price might come down a little bit. And I mean, because in the sellers are, they are staying on, on the market a little bit longer, but they're selling everything I've got on the market, except for one house now are under contract and about two are about to close. And I've got one that a lady said she's bringing me an offer, quote unquote. We'll see <laughs> how that goes. Uh, it, I, it, I think you I mean, Vicky, don't you think that you know, given the, the the drop in rate and now with fewer homes on the market, that you know my concern for buyers is is that if they do wait into the into the latter half of the winter and into the spring, if they wait, there are going to be fewer homes to, that you're going to be competing over 
And we're going to go through the whole multiple offer situation again. But don't you, is that a good way of thinking? Oh, about absolutely. It? I completely agree. And I keep telling people, don't wait. Cause somebody said, well, I'm going to wait till summer. I said, well, then you're going to go back to, to the multiple offer situation again. And, and people got so frustrated. I have several clients, you know, that just said, we're just going to step back and wait. And I'm like, don't, don't wait. I mean, now is the time to get a good deal. Right. I mean, it really is. I've always heard that uh, to what Charles was speaking to a minute ago about the Memphis market is it, it is the first market in the country to start uh, bouncing back from a downturn. And we're all we're the last market in the country to feel the effects of a downturn. Like everybody else will feel it before us and we will, but we will rebound quicker than everybody else. And, and it's interesting. I've heard that for years. It's true. What makes it a market like that? I have no idea, but thank goodness that's the way it is yeah our our office it do, yeah it has to do with the cost of living i think that's yeah. why i think we uh are able to bounce back quickly uh given some of the bigger companies that are located here in the city and you know, people want to relocate here to live just because of how reasonable it is here to, to, to buy a nice home well so, and also it's uh you don't pay a state income tax i was listening yeah. to uh, espn this afternoon <laughs> believe it or not they were talking about that they said you don't think about football players thinking about paying state income taxes, but they said Houston, Texas, uh, they don't pay state income tax there, Tennessee, Florida. Mm-hmm. And that's why guys want to go play for teams there. Look how much money you get to keep. And do you know that when they come and play teams in Tennessee, they don't have to pay a state income tax. But when you go to California, you got to pay California state income tax on the money you earned in that game. I didn't. I've yeah, never known. I've that. heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I've heard that. And so <laughs> it, that's another reason that uh, people love Tennessee and uh, and the players love coming here is because no state income tax. Yeah, they even voted yep. in Tennessee not to ever change no, that. No, yeah. I, I voted for that. Uh, we're talking <laughs> we with Vicki Gandy. We go to Gandy and uh, Andy O'Fee with uh, Crump Mortgage, the Yankee closer <laughs> hey, go. we're, we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back i love singing along with christmas songs and uh this time of year i mean i just drive around uh singing along because i have to do it by myself because everybody else tells me don't do that you're ruining the song uh, in studio is Vicki Gandy with Go Team Gandy and Cry Like. And on the phone, we've got Andy O'Fee, who's with Crump Mortgage. And we're talking about that there is reason for optimism. And I've always been an optimist, always have been. I remember even when I was a kid trying out for the baseball team and I knew nothing. I went, I think I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I think people basically are. And you deal, both of you deal with people all the time. You got half the crowd sitting here. We'll never get this house. The other half goes, oh, we're going to get this. I know my bones. We're going to get this house, and we're going to get the deal we want. But that it, it is a balance. How do you keep them? And, and when you say, hey, this is the time to buy, listen to what I'm telling you. Uh, how do you get that across to some people, especially if they're a negative person? Well, that's a really uh, that's an excellent question. And I, I'm going to tell you that the, the, the prime borrower now, are the millennials, just given the fact that there has been a population boom with people that were born during that era. So people now that are in their late 30s are ready to buy a house because their their household formation is growing. So how do you convince them to go ahead and get out there in a market where they hear all the negativity in the press? Mm-hmm. And I'm a numbers guy, 
as Vicki will attest to. <laughs> and I like sharing information with them. And the, the most important thing is a home price appreciation. And when you share with a potential home buyer the fact that home prices locally are going up anywhere between 4 to 5%, which is a healthy number, think about if you owned a $300,000 house, how much higher that would be at the end of one year. That's 15K, right? Or right. 5%. Exactly. Yeah. And if they see it that way, combined with the fact that you're amortizing your mortgage payment lower by making extra payments or just by making one payment at a time, that's where your equity formation occurs. And people miss that when they're looking to purchase a home and they hesitate. Now, we go back to affordability and monthly payment. Of course, that's an issue with people, given the fact that rates spiked you know, up to 8%. Mm-hmm. And that spooked a lot of people. So you know, we're coming back down. We're not going to get to the threes. I, I don't think we are. I, I don't. I don't foresee that ever happening again. However, you know, if we settle into those low fives by the springtime, we can start to see and explain to people again, getting back to basics with numbers on just how valuable it is to look at appreciation numbers and look at your home as an investment. They want to see numbers. I mean, we yeah. a lot of people that are not intuitive are going to say, oh, you know, you get your own house, you can paint it, you get a garage, you have a place for your dog. You know, those answers are all good, but they want to know something that they're making an investment. (laughs) They want to hear what the advantages are financially to their family by purchasing a home that they haven't already bought. So it's funny that that one of my sons bought a house and he, um, you know, came into the year and he, I said, you know, you got a tax write off. He goes, I do. I was like, yeah. It's kind of significant. He's like, wow, I never had a tax write-off before. And I'm like, golly. We're, don't don't get know. used to it. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> well, <laughs> don't, uh, well, let's hope that never goes away. They were no, it does that. not go away. Well, yeah, yeah, but, but yeah. That, that's never going to happen. Yeah. That'll well, and that's my other question, especially with the Gen Zers who are coming along. They, uh, they don't want to own a car. They don't want to own a house. They don't want to get a driver's license. A lot of these kids have said, I don't, I don't want any of that. How do you convince them that you're you, – you're going to wake up one day, you're going to have nothing mm-hmm. and uh, no equity in this world. I, I don't know where that's coming from, but it's, uh, I, do they just wake up one day and all of a sudden go, uh, what have I been doing? Well, the numbers, Andy's like, Andy's right about the numbers. That, that, I think that, Andy, you just nailed it on the head because it really, it makes a big difference when you talk about what you just said earlier. That makes a huge difference. Or, or you, or you call their parents when they're living at home, and you start charging them. <laughs> well, the apartment rent will do it too. If you start seeing what these kids are paying for a one or two bedroom apartment, it's unbelievable. It is. I talk to the young people that work here and they live in downtown, and they go, "Man, the, the, most of your check goes for rent." Yeah, and which is uh, is troublesome, but at the same time, it should say, uh, "Wake up and smell the coffee." <laughs> it ain't going to get any well, better. I, yeah, don't don't get me wrong. I was foolish living in New York City, not buying anything, just because I, the New York City prices back in the in the nineties and early two thousands were just they were so high. So I paid top end rent, and I had nothing. I had no write off. I'd have to pay Uncle Sam every year. Yeah, and that, that's a, you know, again, it was it was a matter of me if I wanted to buy something, which was out of reach, or if I you know I was transient and I didn't want to get tied down with any type of property. So. But here it's different. Memphis is different. You know, the, the market moves, houses sell, 
There are great places to live. And like I said, we're, the, the market's turning, and we, we all need to be ready for that and get out there and, and get, on our, get, get on our high horse and preach it as much as we can. I did have somebody just send me a message said that uh, you sing a short uh, no Christmas tree lights out there, which is that last year, the Walmart by my house, after January 1st, they counted about 200 unsold artificial trees. Said maybe the the big box dealers said we buy it as much this year <laughs> because of last year, and uh, that's why you're not seeing a lot of decorations. Anyway, right, uh, Vicky, give them a number how to get in touch with you. 901-412-2691 and goteamgandy.com. Andy, give them a number. Yes, sir. 901-237-3526. Uh, it's a crump mortgage right here in Memphis. Okay, thank you both, and go uh, Memphis. He grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere. A radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell, and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and welcome back. Uh, joining me in studio is my good friend Greg Ben who uh, has his winter arts uh pop-up store every year we, we don't pop or we're you, far too fine you move in we're ephemeral we are ephemeral <laughs> well you appear every year yes, in a different do. location like brigadoon however you get there and uh this year you're in the old bed bath and beyond that's on white station just before you get to uh poplar yep right between and poplar and park i took the opportunity to go by there today to look at uh, your fair and you got some great stuff. It's a big space. We do. And uh, what I noticed is, as soon as I walked in the door, were these really cool handmade guitars. Th- those are ukuleles. There is one guitar, and those are ukuleles. And then the the ukuleles and the, the and the furniture he makes is exquisite too. That that's Philip Stafford. He's from Lakeland, Tennessee. And um, the guitar he has on display, he makes them for Keith Sykes. He only plays. Oh, really? His guitars. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing I noticed about them is that the woodwork was exquisite. Yeah. a lot of times he's they just very talented. they just paint over the the, the body no, of the guitar. No, he just does. And this he inlaid. lets you see the natural wood. It's all in. I mean, this is a work of art. You hang that on a wall. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I would have to because I can't play it. Yeah. Well, I said that to Greg. I said, "Damn, you know, are those easy to learn to play because I've heard they are." He goes, "Wasn't for me." Yeah. And I said, "You know, it's always musicians who tell you, oh, this is easy. You can do this.' Yeah. But I can't. I don't play anything." Uh, right next to that were the uh, these uh, this jewelry exhibit with yep. the, these necklaces. We have several jewelers. The one that's on your Facebook page yeah. is Lisa Butts. She's from Germantown. She works in fused glass, and she incorporated the fused glass uh, into jewelry and metalwork. I love the colors. Uh, yeah, so really, really neat colors. Uh, she makes the glass. She makes the chains. That's the one thing about uh, people in our show. They you can't buy beads and string them and say you're a jeweler. You have to actually make the class. Make all of it. The chain. Yeah, yeah. You have to be able to do that. And we have Dorothy Northern and Nancy Rourke as well as Lisa Butts that are just outstanding and wonderful, semi-precious stones. And you're showing Tommy Spake now. He's from. He's a glass blower. He's from Chattanooga. We do not have an, a glass blower that works in hot glass in Memphis. So we bring in three, one from Rogers, Arkansas, one from Chattanooga, and one from New Orleans. Are these three separate? What it is, it, the, it almost reminds you of Stonehenge, except a exactly. miniature. Yeah, there's something. It's a stacking thing. There are different cultures that have a tradition of stacking stones, mm-hmm. and that's what those were inspired by. But he makes great vases and um, uh, just beautiful, beautiful things. I was, 
He goes, what I do when I especially go to any place like this, I, I walk around and I go, what grabs my eye? Yep. And those immediately grab my eye, as did these this, these leather bags, because uh, just their shape, it's, they're yeah, all Michael they're unusual. really good leather work. He's from um, the middle of Arkansas, and he was in a show we did, uh, Art in the Leaf, about seven years ago, the first one, and um, his tent got blown over the first day. He oh, no. didn't do anything since then. <laughs> and for seven years, I've been begging him to work again, and he has. And just really, really cool things. He's got, did you see the pot holders, the suede yes, pot holders? I did. Those are great. We had some uh, wrought iron stake turners from one of the metalsmiths, too. The, was that a checkbook holder? I mean, yeah, checkbook they, holders, backpacks, attache cases, um, little things to wrap up your wires. I don't understand that, but they, they were trying well, to Well, all the wires you have for your cell phone charger, your, yeah. uh, your, your earbuds. Yep. Uh, I'm told they make great stocking stuffers, but I don't know what they do. um, (laughs) And then then I love the, I call them the uh, Annie Hall hats. Those Uh, are really neat. Bridget um, Lang, who's from Germantown, is an incredible knitter. She she has published patterns that are sold internationally. Um, You just don't, like, she she actually has copyrighted patents for the... um, the hats that she makes and it's not a lot of the other knitted things she owned a store in germantown called rainbow yarns that sold yarn and she closed it a couple of years ago but she still knits and we're really excited she's from germany originally i love her hats and the thing about uh, there are hat people and there are people that will not wear a hat have yeah. you ever noticed that yeah i'm i'm one of the latter you're not you're not because not you have you have great hairlines well yeah. i'm a hat person <laughs> <laughs> i have no hairline they look good with the cowboy. I don't know if you saw the Colsons. They were in between those two things, but they make like little cocktail things out of metal. They're either copper or brass or uh, silver washed brass. Oh, cool! Like cocktail picks and swizzle sticks and little for like bur- bourbon cups. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, bourbon cups. Thing, uh, shears for olives. So those are really really cool, and people are enjoying those. Well, and more and more people are doing that, where they'll have a a, a glass top uh, bar in their mm-hmm. home, and they'll have really ornate shot glasses. And as you said, like the Ollie picks, and yeah, the yeah, different things. It becomes that becomes part of the art, right? Well, they're they're, for, they're from Aberdeen, Mississippi. It's an older couple, and they're just really, really great craftspeople. In fact, that's what they're calling cocktails now: are artists and cocktails. Mm-hmm. Artists and cocktails. Yeah, you right. go to bars now, and they they'll say, uh, "Hey, only if you have a piece of art from Winter Arts to stick in it." <laughs> there you go. Uh, this is a very interesting, uh, like sweater. So yeah, that's a um, that's one of the, you've bought that before for Kathy. That's um, Lisa Morgan. Yeah, she makes painted silk. She buys bolts of raw silk. She paints it, and it's then gorgeous. she cuts it up and she sews it into her designs. Yeah, she's from Memphis. She lives in Nashville now, and um, her work is like as much like jewelry as it is clothing. This colors are just amazing and gorgeous and very very opulent, rich looking. This is the, these are glass irises, another glass yeah, roller. Yeah, that's from New Orleans. That's Ridge Walker glass. It's a husband and wife team, um, and I love the iris. Um, that both of those things are actually the crew of iris. They make the gifts for the court each year, and those were originally Which, designed. What you're as, talking about is the Mardi Gras yeah, crew they, of iris. Exactly the crew of iris. That, those are two things that the court has received. Before they can, they make others of them well, to sell. But what I was struck by is that uh, the Botanic Garden has a wonderful iris uh, field. Yeah, that, they, that do. they do. Every, they they're do award-winning well, iris. But they die. These don't. Yeah. They said they bloom all year. And that's why I was struck by these because I said these are absolutely gorgeous. Are, and the martini glasses, the iris catches your hands. It's hard for even me to drop it. Well, there you, you are. You know how I get. I do. <laughs> you should have us. 
a handle on the yep, martini yep, glass to, to prevent that thing from happening. Uh, but you guess I was uh, three or four thousand square feet. You've got there. Yeah, yeah. It it was. Um, we had like twenty six to work with, and we chose to just keep about four four five thousand of it. And um, it's it's a nicely laid out space. We're very selective about who we let in the show, and we try to represent every craft medium that we can possibly incorporate. And it's it's a really great. We've got metal smiths, um, three from the metal museum. We've got the Metal Museum gift shops ornament collection that the Smiths there make, and some independent work from uh, three Smiths affiliated with the museum. Um, actually, four. Um, one of them has gone to the John C. Campbell uh, School of Fine Craft, and she runs the blacksmith shop there. She sent her bells. I don't know if you saw the jingle bells. I did. But, yeah. yeah, those are really cool. And um, it works in glass. There's a great glass artist here called Dale Strand, who is just wild and wonderful. I don't know what goes on in his head, but <laughs> He's got an like artist. shot glasses with drooling tongues, and it, it, some of the things really pretty, and then some things really scary. <laughs> but, and he he doesn't work in hot glass. He does what's called lamp work. It's a smaller scale. He used to be a jeweler. Oh wow! So it, it, it makes sense that he works in small. They're very very detailed. Um, he's got a lot of Christmas ornaments, shot glasses, perfume bottles, and things like that that are made uh, and of lamp work glass. And we also have perfume bottles by a hot glass person from Rogers, Arkansas, that are really great. They're steel. Well, if you're looking for something you really need, get by Winter Arts. It's at White Station, the old Bed Bath and Beyond, and they're open until six tonight. So you yep. still got time to get yep. by, and, and then until eight Friday. Yep, and when, then what's your last day? Christmas Eve on Sunday. We're open noon to five on Christmas Eve, and um, till six. You know, come by and have a glass of something. We'll toast the artist. Okay. Well, the thing about it is, if you've been out looking and can't find that special present for somebody go by there and look i think you'll you'll be very impressed i've got a wide selection of totally unique ideas and gifts for christmas thank you you. and and a lot of people have been to shows that they think are like artists markets and they're not this actually is this is heavily juried these are people who show work all around the country and win prizes and are, are we're a cut above anything else that you've seen so this is not like my art show. No, it's no. not like that one. Not like that one. We won't talk about Which is that. not existing. <laughs> All right, Greg Bells, thanks for stopping by, man. Thank Mer- you. Merry Earl. Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. And welcome back on this Wednesday afternoon. I'm looking at the headlines on Drudge. What a... I used to look at Drudge. It used to be kind of, you know, well-balanced, and now it's just another another rag. Uh, these are the headlines. Uh, State Supreme Court thwarts Trump. It's the law. Michigan could be next state to remove Trump. California exploring options. Republicans float booting Biden off state ballots. <laughs> Quarter of Trump voters say he should not be nominated if convicted. MAGA nightmare before Christmas. Don kicked off ballot Supremes to make final decision. Uh, Warner Brothers in talks for Paramount merger. Who cares? Nobody's going to the movies anymore. When was the last movie you went to? And were you disappointed? I heard somebody talking the other day. You know, got this Napoleon movie that's out. Uh, and they, the people I've talked to that have seen it said, if, if you like uh, CG, you'll love it. <laughs> You want to see like uh, real scenery and uh, location shots? It ain't happening. Which is 
you know, I understand the cost of making movies and, and everybody has to deal with that. But at the same time, uh, seeing 10,000 uh, guys in a charge up a hill, I don't really care about that. I'm more interested in who Napoleon was and I'm, I can live without the battle scenes. I guess they think that's all we care about because all these kids are um, looking at uh, video games and all. But uh, as you get older, you're more interested in, in learning something about these famous people. And Napoleon certainly was a very famous individual. And there are things about him. You sit there, what made this guy exceed and become the person he was? And at one time, France was the deal. And it looked like they were on a, uh, a move to actually uh, – and you know capture the world and then it all came unraveled and so you sit there and go what was it was it his ego was it his uh what was his miscalculation when they miscalculate the brits was it the russian winner that beat him uh he did have the support of his men unconditional almost uh and they said that while many generals would sit up on a hill and watch the entire battle going on he actually would was down there, maybe not at the front lines, but certainly around it and enough to make them feel like that he was risking his life along with them. But uh, apparently the movie's not that good. Uh, and uh, uh, said uh, mediates most influential in the media in 2023. Uh, this is an article on Matt Drudge on Drudge. So, you know, it's not going to be a bad about him. But they said, let's see, he was number of the most influential people. He's number five, Matt Drudge. Number four, which I was kind of surprised at, Megyn Kelly. Uh, Megyn Kelly's shown that what it means to be serious and have an influence without a major network behind you after a very public exit at NBC following a auspicious and highly rated run at Fox News. Kelly has swung back to the right and hit Pater. On Apple Podcasts, Kelly's serious XM radio show is regularly ranked in the top 10 in the news category. So congratulations to her. Number three, Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski and Willie Geist. And not a fan of this show at all. This guy used to be a Republican uh, congressman from the Florida panhandle down around Destin. And he went berserk, became a, a liberal talk show person and... Uh, but it says all cable news networks are battling against the the decline in linear television. MSNBC is no exception. And it has regularly tinkered with the lineup in a bid to reverse the trend. The one uh, unmitigated success is Morning Joe, which expanded to four hours of weekday programming in 2022. The show helmed by Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski, who are now married. When they started the show, they were married to other people. And apparently felt like they were a better deal and jettisoned their partners and got married. And they're also there with Willie Guest, who also works on weekends for NBC, uh, playing a key role, has for 17 seasons been the far and away favorite for liberal viewers and inside the Beltway folks, which is why I don't like it. Uh, then number two, Sean Hannity. If uh, Fox News hosts were competing on the show's Survivor, there would be one undisputed winner, Sean Hannity, Fox News veteran and host of Hannity at 9 p.m. rank and uh, 2023 is king of the network. As he continues to draw ratings, they are the envy of every cable news rival. Hannity's ascent came in no small part 
thanks to the fall of Tucker Carlson, who was ousted in April in a shocking twist of fate. But Hannity's success is thanks to more than that. The primetime host managed to insert himself into major policy and even legislative debates over this year, cementing himself as if not like the key player in American conservative politics. Hannity, who is unapologetic about his conservative perspective, did more than just cover the chaos in Congress. His commentary outright dictated the strategy and messaging for the Republican Party. When when the speaker fight raged on for weeks in Congress, it was Hannity uh, that the Republicans in and out of office turned to for guidance. When Mike Johnson was finally named speaker, it was Hannity who rallied the troops and hoisted a live show for the Capitol building with the elected officials in attendance. What's more, Hannity was responsible for some of the most surprisingly compelling hours on cable news all year long. His sit-down with California Governor Gavin Newsom was heralded as a fascinating debate between ideological foes who put their own views and the preconceived notions of their own audience to the test. Months later, Hannity capably moderated a debate between Newsom and Florida Governor and 2024 presidential candidate Ron DeSantis, and made for the great television and a major audience of 5.5 million viewers. And then number one, Dominion Voting Systems. What? That's, what is that about? Uh, that was the news topic of the year. Let me see if they insert these stupid little stories in between other stuff. So I guess it, it must be Hannity because the Dominion Voting Systems uh, ain't the deal. Any rate, uh, that's your cable lineup, and uh, once again, it's mostly conservative because most of the liberal um, talk shows just don't make it. I mean, even the liberals don't listen to it. The liberals listen to conservative talk because they want to know what we're saying, and what we're saying is always the truth, but that's how they figure out strategies and ways of fighting back and uh, things like the Colorado move, which is still you know just amazing to everybody. But that shows really how desperate they are. They're saying, you know, we're going to leave a scorched earth policy. If there ain't going to be us, there ain't going to be nobody. Um, uh, and so it's, uh, it is crazy. Did you hear about this? I, I just heard this headline and I thought, what? Super Bowl champ doubles down after getting blasted for saying he's sick of white guys commenting on football. I don't know why he's singling us out. Everybody comments on football. And in a Monday night post on X, the retired Pittsburgh Steelers running back said he's simply tired of being berated by people who are experts in the game after being called racist by followers for slamming white NFL analysts. Uh, we just pretend like I'm the only athlete tired of fans talking trash. He added you this upset over a single tweet. Um, what, uh, I'll turn the page to the correct page. Uh, simply tired of being berated. We just pretend like I'm the only athlete tired of fans talking trash. You dis upset over a single tweet. What about us like me or not? I'm great in football. This proves my point. You can't speak on ball alone. Uh, Mendenhall's remarks followed a viral post from earlier in the day that said, I'm sick of an average white guy's commenting on football. Y'all not even good at football. We can please replace the pro bowl with an all black versus all white bowl. So these cats can stop trying to teach me who's good at football. He added, I'm better than your goat. 
greatest of all time. Uh, as of Tuesday afternoon, the post has 68.5 million views. It followed his earlier post, slamming criticism from the Steelers and coach Mike Tomlin after the team's loss Sunday to the Indianapolis Colts, 30 to 13. Uh, reading through the comments of the former Steelers latest post, people hit back and wrote, we're upset that you're a racist. I don't know how they can expect me not to be, but I guess he's black. He can't be racist. So there you are. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. And thank you very much, and welcome back. Uh, if you look at any polls out currently, uh, number one thing is the economy, but uh, following closely, usually two or three down, is crime and uh, personal safety. That's the reason so many people have bought weapons to defend themselves, their families, and their homes and property. Uh, we've got Jay Hill on the phone. He's the owner of Classic Arms uh, on Dexter and also is involved with Top Gun, the gun range. And I wanted to talk to him because I think one of the best things you could give somebody who's recently purchased a weapon is a gun safety, a gift certificate for gun safety course, uh, advanced training, uh, permit to carry, any of those. There's so many people, Jay, I think you would agree that buy guns that then stop that. That's all they do. They just think somehow they're going to know what to do if something happens. And thank you for coming on the show. Hey, good evening. How are you doing, Earl? Good. Uh, I mean, people come in and legally, all they have to do is give you all their information. You do a background through the TBI, and if they're clear, you can sell them a gun. That is correct. That and, is correct. And it's up to them to figure out that they don't know a thing about guns. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where we come in at Top Gun. Um, I, you know, I, I think what, what a lot of people don't understand is, you know, a gun <clears throat> a gun's a gun, right? A gun can do a lot of things bad. It can do a lot of things good. And, uh, but we put safety first. Uh, I think we may have lost him. You want to call you were trying to get him again. Okay. He's going to try to reestablish contacts. Uh, uh, but what he's saying is it, a gun is a tool and it is, and it's only as good as the person operating that tool. And if you don't know how to run a skill saw, you can lose fingers. I mean, uh, I learned that early on in uh, woodshop is that uh, I'm staying away from the power tools because <laughs> at least with a handsaw, you can, you, you may get through part of your finger, but you're not going to get through the whole thing. Uh, but I think we got Jay back. Do we have Jay? Yeah. Uh, good evening. I'm back. That's all right. Yeah. I was just explaining to him that you were trying to, to say that uh, a gun is a tool. It's only as good as the operator that's using it. That's right. It's, it, it's, it's good when it's in the hands of a good guy. It's bad when it's in the hands of a bad guy. So uh, the gun doesn't know the difference, but uh, what we do at Top Gun is is we do a lot of training, uh, a lot of safety, a lot of instruction. Uh, one of our more popular. Dang. Popped again. <laughs> I don't know whether it's because it doesn't sound like a bad connection. Then it just disappears. Try to establish it one more time. And if it doesn't work, we'll give up on it. Uh He's uh, recalling again. Uh, and there are different courses. I'm going to point that out. There's beginner courses and just basic gun safety, which I think is that's where you should start. I also recommend taking the permit to carry class because it teaches you the law. It teaches you what you need to know along with the gun safety aspects of it all. Uh, we got him again. Okay, Jay, you there? This is it. <laughs> we'll try it again. 
Uh, I was uh, just tell- what I was saying. What I was saying. Uh, the two on one. In other words, uh, husband, wife, uh, boyfriend, girlfriend. Two, two ladies. Uh, your best friend. Whoever, whoever you feel comfortable with bringing. We do a two on one class. It lasts about an hour and a half. And we go everything. Uh, something wrong with his phone. Uh, what he's saying is it is good to have somebody else that you care about that I, when I took my permit to carry and I took it there at top gun, uh, with my father-in-law who was 80 something then, uh, my son and myself and one other person. And we all took the same course that one, the, the, uh, permit to carry course is uh, all day, eight hours, and you have a break for lunch, and there's a whole written part, and then you actually go into the target range and actually fire your weapon. And uh, it's very intense and very comprehensive. And the reason I think you should do that or give that is to someone as a gift certificate is because it really teaches you so much, and it is full eight hours. The course he was talking about is just a top-of-mind thing, an hour-and-a-half class, which I, I recommend. Anything is better than nothing. And but the permit to carry, even though in the state of Tennessee you don't have to have a permit to carry, uh, you can have it in your your automobile. You can have it on you, um, and you can carry it to any place except places that say no weapons allowed. But where it will come in handy for you is if you travel to other states that have uh, reciprocal agreements with uh, Tennessee. That if you have a permit to carry in Tennessee, you can take your weapon to Texas, to Oklahoma. Uh, and then also you can look up places you can't go. Do not take it to New York state. Do not take it to California. Do not take it to Chicago. And, uh, but it, it is a very comprehensive course that tells you, you know, what you can do, what you can't do. Uh, you can't shoot somebody stealing your car unless you think they're trying to kill you before they get in your car and steal it. If you feel like your life is personally in danger of, of being snuffed out by this person, but then once they get in your car and start driving away, well, you can't shoot them then because that threat is now ended. But that's stuff you will learn in the uh, in the permit to carry class. And uh, all this stuff about, well, if somebody's in my front yard and they're yelling at me, I think they're going to kill me. I can shoot them and drag them in my house. Believe me, I was with the sheriff's office. That don't work. <laughs> they're, these guys are pretty smart. And when they see the trail of blood in the front yard being dragged through the front door, it don't take them all day to figure out what happened here. Uh, the other thing is, uh, there are some really good, uh, companies out there that you can buy, uh, an insurance policy with, and it will actually, if you are involved in the shooting, even if you're, everything's cool. And I, in fact, I actually had somebody with the sheriff's office on not long ago. Uh, and he was saying, there's two things you can count on happening is that, uh, you're going to be detained and probably arrested and booked until they figure out exactly what happened in the shooting. Um, and that means you're going to go downtown and you're going to have to have a lawyer. And, uh, that's, if everything looks good, that's a good shooting. That's still probably going to happen. The last thing you ever want to do is have to use your weapon. You're better off picking up a chair leg and breaking it off a chair and beating this person, whoever you feel threatened by, uh, until, uh, <laughs> they're, they're no longer a threat rather than shooting them. I can just promise you that. But if you do have a weapon, and the reason I carry a weapon is I don't want to have to beg some person not to kill me or my family or somebody that I'm sitting right there with as a friend. Uh, they, I, in fact, I was listening today to some people in, in Israel talking about 
what it was like to have to sit there and watch these people from Hamas come into Israel, grabbing their loved ones and just walking away with them. And there's nothing they could do. I cannot believe how helpless that would make you feel. And I never want that to be me. I, I don't know how I would live with myself watching them take my wife and my children away and not being able to stop that. Very important that we have uh, weapons for self-defense in this country, and they're coming around to that fact in Israel now. They realize now that not having anybody have a weapon when you've got everybody around you hating your guts, and not that everybody lives around us hates our guts, but they, they, don't, they want what we got, and they're going to do whatever they can to take it. And our job is, uh, I don't care if they take it, but you're not going to take us or kill us in the process. And I'm going to do everything I can to stop it. I am advocating strongly that if you know somebody that has a weapon and they haven't gotten training with it, get them a gift certificate. That could be the best thing you ever did for them and for yourself. Um, get two and go with them. Be that person that goes with them and you get your permit uh, and, and then you get a weapon. Uh, but it, the reason most people fear guns is they don't know anything about them. And they think somehow this gun is going to jump off a shelf and your child's going to grab it. Uh, I have a gun safe at home. I keep all of my weapons locked up, locked up. I secure them wherever I am. I never leave my weapon in the car. And, uh, I, you know, I've been around guns my entire life. I think I was six. When I first started learning to shoot. My father taught my sister and my brother and I. They shoot a little 22 uh, caliber rifle uh, when we we're just little kids. And, and he taught us gun safety right off the bat. Even toy guns. We were not allowed to point toy guns at each other. And he said, you just don't ever do it. Don't ever do it. You play Cowboys and Indians, that's great. Don't point a gun at them when you're playing Cowboys and Indians. Shoot up in the air. Scare the cows off. But don't shoot at anybody. Uh, so that would be my idea for a great gift. If you know somebody that has a weapon out there and, and uh, they – uh, have not taken any, even if they have, get them a, an advanced course. Uh, you, you cannot have too much training when it comes to weapons. I'm a firm believer in that. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll wrap things up. And welcome back on this uh, Wednesday before Christmas. Got all the big bowl games coming up. Uh, they'll start, uh, some of them, uh, this weekend and then uh through christmas and uh new year's uh but uh, that's a pretty interesting article texas icon is concerned about astronomical expectations for arch manning which arch manning is the son of cooper manning who is the brother to to eli manning and um and uh uh i can think of the, other, the one who went to tennessee peyton peyton thank you Collins. Uh, Peyton Manning and then uh, Arch Manning, the, the grandfather, and all of who are iconic, uh, incredible athletes. And Cooper was supposed to be the most talented of the brothers, and he had a back injury when he was at Ole Miss and never could play anymore, but he's turned out to be very successful financially and invest all the money for the other brothers. But Colt is just highly rated, probably one of the highest-rated quarterbacks to come out of uh, high school in quite some time. Uh, everybody in the country was going after him. He ended up uh, signing with the University of Texas because all of his relatives, who are great uh, quarterbacks, said Texas and the coach at Texas is the place to be. Uh, but Cole McCoy, who was also an incredible quarterback at Texas, said he's uh, – and the reason I'm bringing this up is so many people in this area 
are big fans of, of the Mannings here, you know, whether you went to Ole Miss, Tennessee, that uh, was a big follower at, uh, of the uh, Colts or uh, the uh, Saint, uh, New Orleans Saints. You know, they're just a big part of this part of the world. And him going to Texas makes us all kind of interested in that as well. But uh, former Texas quarterback Cobo Coy is a bit concerned about the con- conversion and the conversation surrounding highly touted signal caller Arch Manning. Manning, of course, nephew of Peyton and Eli Manning, is expected to be in the mix to win the Longhorn starting job under center in 2024. He could be playing in one of the two playoff games for the national championship this year. McCoy compared Manning to his former Longhorns teammate Garrett Gilbert, the Texas high school phenom who played 24 games for the Longhorns before transferring to SMU as a junior. Quote, I've been around Arch quite a bit, McCoy said during an interview on the Pardon My Take podcast. I don't want to compare Arch Manning with Garrett Gilbert, but when I was in school, I loved Garrett Gilbert. He had a nice career, but he never lost a game in high school, and he was like in Lake Travis, right in the backyard of the University of Texas, and was crowned as king before he ever got on campus. And the moment he threw a pick or two and they lost a couple of home games, it was like everything turned on him. It wasn't necessarily his fault, but the expectations were just astronomical. Manny served as the backup quarterback for Quinn Ewers and Malik Murphy, who as a freshman debuted in the Longhorns blowout win over Texas Tech on November 24th. Murphy, entering the transfer portal earlier this month, has opened the door for Manning to possibly earn the starting role next year. Recent reports indicate Manning jumped from 210 pounds to 225 all of all muscle in his freshman campaign, further fueling his uh, hype train. McCoy is extremely optimistic about Manning's future, but he's preaching patience as the younger paves his own path to the gridiron. And uh, I think that's uh, that's safe to say because so many people you think this he's going to walk on water and it's going to be Vince Young, who was an incredible quarterback, who uh, is a good example. He was an incredible college quarterback. He goes and plays for what was the Tennessee Titans, uh, Houston Oilers, then the Tennessee Titans. And he just never was able to bring that same magic uh, to the pro field that he did to the college field. Won the national championship. It couldn't have been a better quarterback, and yet it just didn't transfer. And you never know. I mean, and in fact, they were talking about the other day about the most difficult job, especially with all these kids taking advantage of the portal in college, is this Malik... Uh, Murphy is has entered the portal. He's a sophomore. They've seen him in action. He played in two games and won them at the University of Texas. Big time school, big time games uh, in the hunt for the national championship. And uh, he saw the handwriting on the wall. Said, "I'm going to go ahead and jump." So he jumps, and where he ends up, who knows? It could be USC. There's a number of schools looking for a top quality quarterback. Their big challenge is: Do we take Murphy and thereby? taking up a scholarship that some incoming high school freshman would have gotten had Murphy not decided to transfer. And that's going on all over the country. So there's something happening right now in college football that is really affecting college football like nothing really ever has before. Guys that are already in college that have scholarships are giving those up to transfer to someplace else where they think they'll be able to play or fit into the system better than where they are. And that means that some guys coming out of high school are not going to get those scholarships. And then if you're a coach who is so competitive at that level, 
what do you do? Do you sit there and take somebody who's a known quality and will it transfer to your school? Or you take somebody that's done great in high school, but you have no idea how they'll do fit in with your program or in the college ranks. So it's really a, a very crazy time. I happen to think that, that Arch Manning, though, everything I've read about him and everything I've heard about him is that he's got a, he's got a very level head on him. He works extremely hard. The guys you have to worry about are like, remember the guy from A&M, Mr. Football, who thought he could do everything, didn't want to go to practice, uh, was wild as a goat, out drinking on the weekends, and, and, and then went into obscurity, never was able to do anything in the pros, got in trouble all the time, left uh, A&M early. Those are the people you worry about. I think Arch Manning has got his family. I think he listens to them. I think the last thing he would ever do is uh twist off like mr football johnny football and uh do the crazy stuff he did and uh, at least uh, that's my interpretation of what i've seen so far and i think he's got a great coach and uh he's one of the best quarterback coaches out there so i'm expecting big things but not too much and uh hope everybody else is the same way that's it for me today we'll be back tomorrow same time Uh, Another beautiful evening in the Mid-South. Get out, enjoy it, and Merry Christmas.